I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I am so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses with the amazing Deborah Pagani, who is not only a fine jewelry designer, but also the founder of Hair Objet, which is this really beautiful decorated, decorative jewelry hair, well, hair objects (laughs) company. So welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. You are like a legend in my house. I show my daughter your Instagram all the time because she's obsessed with everything beauty. And I'm like, this plastic surgeon, dermatologist is in New York City, killing it, and has six children. And yeah, I'm very impressed. Well, you are too kind, and um, you know what? I'm just getting by, but uh, I'm so excited that you're here. Tell everybody a little bit about your um, companies and your how you got started in the jewelry business. Well, um, I have a very uh, kind of like New York story type of background. I was born and raised in New Jersey. I always wanted to live in New York, and um, I really didn't have the type of parents who guided me in the right direction like they were just like oh do what you want you'll figure it out on your way so uh, I got out of high school and really found myself kind of lost and said okay what can I do that I can be in New York City and I can make money and live on my own so I started doing hair I started being an assistant at John Sahag and worked my way up to be a celebrity colorist I was doing Prince and Tommy Lee and Bette Midler and then I met my husband and I got pregnant with my daughter and it was when the Brazilian straight perm just came out and it was loaded with formaldehyde and I didn't want to be pregnant. So I always wanted to be a designer and I said, you know, let me just do it now. This is the perfect timing. So I left and I kind of just like learned my way through 47th Street, going to the casting um, shops and speaking to jewelers and bringing my sketches in and being like, how can I bring these to life? And slowly but surely, I had a line and I was picked up in Barney's and other uh, high-end stores and luxury online locations. And I've been doing that for 10 years and so many people have asked me to do a lower end line because, you know, at the end of the day, it's like very expensive pieces, not only 0% can afford them. So I felt like the, the industry was really saturated, oversaturated with costume jewelry. And I thought, why don't I bridge my past and my present and come up with something and solve a problem? And it took two years to develop, but I figured out a way to like, banish the black elastic off of every woman's wrist so that's really where I am now and we just launched hair of J which I really think complements the jewelry um, I was also looking for something that didn't take away from it so nothing to embellish something that would work with my pieces and would be actually the same client and open the doors for so many more 
That's amazing. And I really love that story because it is such a New York story where you started in one thing and in a way everything dovetailed on everything else. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite piece right now with hair objet? Um, well, I am a bun person. So I'm always with my hair in a top knot constantly. I wash my face. Uh, I don't really like to work at my desk or sketch with my hair on my face, so I always have it pulled back. Uh, so I have to say my, my large pin is my favorite. Okay, amazing. Um, what are some of the challenges that you faced when you were first starting your uh, jewelry design business and then later your um, company for wearable hair art? Well. I think the, the biggest challenge was right when I started, the whole consignment model came about, which is really, it was something so new to me. I would go and meet stores and they'd be like, wow, we love the pieces, so we'll take it on consignment. I'm like, what does that mean exactly? And they're like, well, you're going to give us all these pieces, which in, in short is like close to $100,000 worth of jewelry, and when we sell it, we'll pay you. So this, I think, was the biggest challenge, is going into a business and that is so capital intensive, and I wasn't really prepared for that. Um, and it took some time to kind of like adjust and figure out, you know, you start with one store, and then you slowly build up, and now that whole model is changing also. It's like a lot of people now with social media are purchasing straight to the designer. So I think, now small businesses and big businesses are constantly evolving. We're trying to figure out what's the new way because things change yeah, overnight. Things totally change and I think that the, you have to stay current or you go extinct. Exactly. So what do you think about this phenomenon that is not exactly counterfeiting but I'm seeing all of this stuff kind of like diet product culture where um, all of these influencers are kind of making jewelry pieces that are extremely similar to independent jewelry designers and launching them in big retail uh, out, outlets. Um, what What is that? And what do you think about the intellectual property related to something that is so ephemeral like jewelry? I mean, we talk about this constantly. I, I feel like jewelry designers, friends of mine who are jewelry designers, we're always talking about that type of thing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they can change it 30% and it's okay. Like, you can have a lawyer send a letter and I really do think it's unfair and it's horrible for the first designer who came out with it. But, you know, unfortunately it's like... It's confusing, it's so, it right? Is. Because we're all derivative of each other, right? You know, if you think about anything from um, fashion to jewelry to art to literature... You know, everything on some level harkens back to a literary allusion to the Odyssey or the Bible or the Iliad or, you know, one of these great works, but it doesn't mean that they're plagiarism. And I, I always um, I always think about this because there's times when it's clearly a knockoff and Absolutely. clearly a counterfeit, like the fake Louis Vuitton bags that you see everywhere. Those, that's like a clear knockoff. But then there are other things that you see where somebody will make uh, some kind of, you know, hanging pendant charm. And you can see that there's an inspiration, but mm -hmm. 
but you can also, you know, it's hard to argue the ownership of something like that. I just, I, I always wanted to know what someone who's actually in it thinks. Design, designers in general are, we're so sensitive about that. And I think you're right. Everybody's inspired by, I, I look at vintage pieces all the time. I obviously am inspired by Art Deco and, and retro pieces, but as a designer, you would think you want to produce something that actually is not in the market right now. But I think it's a, I, I think that the influencers who are putting out jewelry, there is a massive microscope under them and people are going to pick it apart because they're not designers. So there's going to be like, oh, well, where did this all come from? Um, but yes, I agree. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, a pendant. Um, and it's unfortunate, but yeah. I've had it happen to me where there hasn't been 30% change and it's an exact, exact, exact copy. How has social media changed the way you market your business and build your brand? Because, you know, now the cell phone is the new computer, right? And Instagram is the new website and everybody's on their social feeds all the time. What has that meant for you as someone who is involved with a very visual field? You know, people people say to me, oh my gosh, how do you keep up with it? I actually like Instagram. Um, I do too. I like Instagram. I like posting. Uh, I think it's a good way to get feedback from your clients because it's a way that you can direct message. Um, And I'm kind of used to it. I do understand how it could be a challenge for other people who are who are not used to that type of thing or I have friends of mine who are designers and they're like I just can't seem to even like post once a week um I really I I I actually like the whole Instagram I just worry about like wow we're used to Instagram what if Instagram disappears tomorrow and there's something new with a completely different algorithm and uh totally different type of way like to post and it all changes and then we have to figure that out totally and you know when people say they hate Instagram I think I think that it's not completely fair right because Instagram is just a megaphone for who someone is so if you hate Instagram it's really that you don't like the people that you're seeing on it and you don't like their photoshopped facetuned photos and you don't like their message and it annoys you that they're putting whatever they're putting into the world but it's not that different from meeting someone at a cocktail party that you don't like um, yeah it's it's not the it's not the fault of the platform that people are annoying you necessarily I always think that Instagram gets kind of a bad rap yeah, and I think it also does when all of a sudden you've attracted some negative feedback on your own Instagram, which, knock on wood, I really have never gotten. Um, but I know that that's also... Just wait, it's coming. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I mean, I really try to, like, not say no, anything. I hope it never does, but people are evil on the internet. I and know. the anonymous strangers hiding in their mom's basement say evil mean things to other people they do and I think that that's that's like the one negative aspect of it the other aspect of it is again to go back on people copying other people is it's like you're putting out your product right then and there but then to go back on that it's like if you really pump it out and people know that you're the originator of that then you know I, I think that that also can help you 
Um, do you have any advice for people who are thinking about starting a jewelry line or who have aspirations for um, <laughs> who have aspirations for you know becoming jewelry designers? Um, you know, I hate to squash people's dreams. I, I think that <laughs> I think my first career it was so organic. It was like I really worked hard. I worked six days a week. Um, I didn't have a vacation from, I think it was 20 to 25. I never knew what vacation was. It, and I just, I really liked to work and it came really naturally and I was very successful. I actually left at like the top of my career and I thought it was going to be as easy as jewelry design, which actually at the end of the day, it doesn't even make any sense because one product costs one thing and the other was a much more attainable price so um i think people need to get prepared and understand the type of um, capital you need to start that i always say really start off small and be careful with whose advice you take how long did it take for you as a business to feel like or as a business owner, to feel like this was actually the real deal and you were going to be able to make it work and make a living doing this instead of it just being a hobby? Um, I have to say it didn't happen until recently. You know, you always hear people who you admire saying, don't give up, don't give up. I'm really relentless and really pushed through. I had so many times people telling me, this is not the career for you, this is that, you're not commercial enough, you don't understand this, you don't have enough of a business mind, you don't, and I think that you really do need to push through, um, but I think finally when I was able to start being able to invest in things that I thought were important in my business, that's when I started understanding that, oh wow, this is, I can actually, make a living off of this and especially now it's like with being able to sell something that so many more people can um can afford now it's like i think it was a really good decision to be able to mesh the two um price points together and mesh the two careers together where can people find out more about um you and your designs well on my website which is DeborahPagani.com, and my Instagram, obviously, I story um, every day, and... Um, stories are the best, right? I They're, like, the becoming more fun than the actual feed. I love the stories, and, 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 and I really engage so much with the clients. Like, I have people asking me, you know, how do you get your hair pin to stay in so long, and, you know, what color pin should I get, and, and it's constant feedback from your clients. It's, like, immediate gratification for a business owner because you're really getting feedback from your product without having to wait for a store to come back to let you know what they're reordering well you know what we're not taking that piece you're getting that feedback right then yeah that's awesome yeah well this has been so super fun um i wanted to close by actually asking you a hard question which is um if you could tell us a little bit about 
some of the very difficult moments in starting your own company and moments that kind of really challenged you where you weren't sure that you were doing the right thing and how you found the strength to move forward and become the amazing woman you are today. I think one of my toughest and lowest points um, was when I was working with someone who I'd hired uh, as a consultant and a salesperson and really said some very mean and hurtful things. And you know when someone just knows your weak points and they kind of just like jab at them? They said certain things like, you know, you're just like, I don't, you know, you people are just thinking of you as like a pretty housewife and certain oh other God, things. Like, that's low. <laughs> yeah, it's very low. And I felt like, oh my gosh, well, you know, maybe she is right. And this is why I say you have to be careful with who you take advice from because sometimes it really can damage you. Um, and I think that that was probably, I really second guessed myself in so many different ways and my husband was really the one who was like why are you even listening to her and I had to like do a double check and kind of wash all the negativity out of um, I had a few people that I was working with and I really needed to wash them out and clean house um, and then go back and start from scratch that's amazing well I think that there's a good lesson in that for everybody which is that you have to listen to feedback, but you can't listen too much. You have to listen with one ear, right? Absolutely. Like you have to get the feedback, but you have to know when it's BS and when you have to listen to your own integrity. And at the end of the day, you know, who do you answer to besides yourself? It's, exactly. it's, it's you. Yeah. You're just you alone looking in the mirror at your beautiful jewelry and your hair objects. Yeah. And um, that's it. And listen to your clients who are DMing you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank this was you. one of my best episodes so far. Oh my and gosh, I feel I'm like so people excited. are going to be so excited to learn more about your stuff. So again, um, find Deborah at DeborahPagani.com yes. and on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.